Welcome, Bird Gang, and welcome to a Football Friday. On today's show, what must the Cardinals do to beat the Buffalo Bills, split this two-game stretch against AFC East opponents, and get back in the win column? Fudge asked. MJ has his three keys for a victory, plus the always popular X-Factor this week. But first, Kyler Murray by the numbers, the records he's set, and the records he's on pace to break this season. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 351, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. You uh, superstitious there, MJ? Not really. Okay. I know it's Friday the 13th, and, you know, if I am walking down the street, I don't know if I'd walk underneath a ladder, but I guess you know, there's certain things, but Friday the 13th, um, no, it's really never crossed my mind. Actually, I woke up today and I realized it was Friday the 13th. I didn't realize until uh a little bit earlier in the day, but no, I'm not superstitious at all. And when you come to the Cardinals and the number 13, you can't get much better than Kurt Warner. Now, right now, Christian Kirk donning that 13. So I think 13 has been a pretty lucky number. Yeah, especially for a guy that, you know, Kurt would be the first to admit that by going to Arizona really solidified him getting in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He'll also tell you the stat that every time he left the field, they were either tied or winning. In the Super Bowl. In all three Super Bowls. <laughs> we'll just kind of ignore the uh, end of the Steelers contest and the drive prior to Kurt taking the field for that last time. That's surprising he knows his stats. Well, of course, something like that you can always point to and say, hey, you know, wasn't really on me. <laughs> Someone else didn't do their job. All right. Speaking of numbers with respect to Kyler Murray and what we are here heading into week 10, eight games into the season, but you talked about it. You teased it at the end of yesterday's show. And before we get into your three keys for a victory and the always popular X factor, we do want to look at what Murray is not only approaching, but what he is on pace to do in a season here in 2020. But first things first, what he might be able to accomplish. I've got four different things, MJ, that he might be able to accomplish either league-wide or franchise records coming up on Sunday. All right, let's play tennis. You go first. All right, two more rushing touchdowns. He would have five, excuse me, two more rushing yards. He would have 545 surpassing his own franchise record for rushing yards by a quarterback. And he would do that in just nine games played last year, needing all 16 games. And I remember our conversation in the offseason, over under, rushing yards. Is it a good thing if he has a lot? I think we all thought maybe less is more when it comes to him running the football. But in recent weeks, he's needed to run that football. Yeah, so my serve coming back, Kyler Murray leads the Cardinals in rushing, as you mentioned, ranks fourth in the NFL with eight rushing touchdowns. 
He's posted his first career rushing game last week against Miami and is on pace for 1,092 yards this season, which would duplicate what he did last year. All right, here's another one with respects to running the football. One more rushing touchdown. He would tie the franchise record with a rushing touchdown in five straight games. All right, if he gets that, um, if he, he goes to 1,092, he'd become the second best season ever for a quarterback, surpassing Mike Vick with 1,039 yards in 2006, but falls short of Lamar Jackson, 1,206 in 2019. Oh, by the way, the MVP. With a passing and rushing touchdown coming up on Sunday, Murray would set an NFL record for consecutive games with a score in each of those categories. He would also tie the NFL single-season record for most games, eight, with both a passing and rushing touchdown. All right, K1 with 148 passing yards on Sunday. He'll become the second quarterback with at least 6,000 passing yards, 1,000 rushing yards in his first 25 games in NFL history, joining Cam Newton, 6,194 passing yards and 1,060 rushing yards. Yeah, we're talking a lot about what he's doing when he's running the football. And this I know is passing, though. Oh, yeah, but I'm talking about with respects to how much it's running the football, and I know it scares some of the Bird gang when he goes out and runs, especially how he runs, and then if he's taking on a defender like he did last week where he's got that football kind of hanging out to one side or the other and maybe doesn't really have it secure like you'd like to see it in a running back. But right now, especially with Kenyon Drake still not 100%, you need someone else to run the football, and the Cardinals have no one better in all of the NFL as far as yards per carry than their quarterback. Craig, if if you look, you look at the rushing now, I mean, it's I mean, I know Lamar Jackson didn't follow him that close, but when we played him last year, you know, I followed him after the next couple of weeks, and then obviously what they were doing as a as a team. But um, when you look at it, though, I mean, it's it's to a point where. Last year, he was breaking all kinds of records because, again, normally first-round quarterbacks don't start initially and get 16 starts. And But, again, he went out there and did it. So, yeah, it's uh, – again, that's part of who they are. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to get into the running game this week because they're going to need both Drake and Edmonds, and we always think Murray's a luxury. All right, so listen to this. Now, in the last five games, they're 3-2. and two. Uh, the, the Carolina game, let's just chalk that up. They didn't show up. They were flat. According to Murray, they took them lightly. Dolphins game, very winnable to the end. So over the last five games, Murray's completing close to 70% of his passes, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions, quarterback rating of 112.6, sack four times, average attempt per pass, 8.1, rushing, 50 carries, 356, as you mentioned, 7.1, Four touchdowns, and that would include that's 24 points on the offense. He's not bad. There's so much out there, but I, I don't, you know, we want to chat and get into our, our thoughts and our opinions based on the matchup. But it's just fascinating that this is game number 25. And Craig, I didn't give you a heads up on this, so I apologize for throwing it on you. But let's go back to that draft because the, the Josh Rosen draft, because I know this. Josh Rosen was in their top three or four, and he was the fourth quarterback off the board. I think they had Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield rated head of Josh Rosen. And I know Allen was right there. Now, Mayfield, 
The jury's still out on him. You got to look at the coaching change there. They got more stability in Buffalo. You got some head cases in Cleveland with some receivers, high maintenance guys. I'm just, that's how it is. And so the Cardinals felt like, you know, they only had to give up what a, you know, they flipped from 15 to 10. It, it was an economical trade to move up and get a quote franchise quarterback, but they did have a lot of interest in Josh Allen. And I make, and I wouldn't say Sam Darnold. And here we are a couple years later and Mayfield and Darnold, Big question mark. We look at Josh Allen. Um, he clearly has exceeded expectations as a franchise quarterback. So interesting the way that it developed there because if they got Josh Allen, maybe they never get Kyler Murray. Well, General Manager Steve Kahn this morning on with Doug and Wolf on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station called Allen, quote, a physical freak. Would not say how highly rated he had Allen in that draft, but they did have him rated very, very high, but that's certainly someone that the Cardinals certainly had an eye on. And again, like you said, he was uh, already off the board. Yeah, and he told a, a great anecdote about him and Elway sitting next to each other. Michael Bidwell, they went up there for a bowl game, and he said there was one play, I think they were at plus 40, and he threw a dart, and Elway looked at him and said, holy blank. And Elway didn't even draft him. Now, again, we have to go back to the draft and everything else. It's easy to hindsight, but fascinating that he wasn't there and the Cardinals made the switch and it's the and it was the right thing to do by hiring Kingsbury and Murray and if anybody questions it um, I can't help you well I got two more things for you as far as what Murray is on pace to accomplish here this season the highest single season completion percentage and second highest single season passer rating in team history and that's just here in year two plus and this is fascinating the first player in league history with 4,000-plus passing yards and 1,000-plus rushing yards. Never been done before, and Murray is halfway to those two marks, and then all of a sudden we'll have to come up with an adjective to describe 4,000, 1,000, the Murray metric or something something witty or whatever. You're, you're much better at that, MJ, than I am. But that <laughs> certainly has many people talking about Kyler Murray in that either Offensive Player of the Year or MVP, the latter of which I think certainly would gain a lot more steam if the Cardinals are able to win, get to double digits, double their win total from a year ago, then you're likely to hear more of Kyler Murray and MVP in the same sentence. Yeah, I don't want to be a topper here, okay? Um, but I'm going to do like maybe a Roger Federal or John McEnroe, you know, when I'm, when I'm returning the serve. There's people this week around the country, and it's great because the Cardinals, they're coming off a loss, but I think the conversation really was about Tua versus Murray in the future. Uh, you know how I feel about the AFC quarterbacks. They're loaded for the next few years. NFC, we got some long guys in the tooth, but hopefully some of these guys can pan out. But at the halfway point, with, with Lamar Jackson at this point last year and Kyle Murray, Murray's numbers are better. Now, they were 6-2, and two, and they end up, you know, obviously – um, you know, getting deep into the postseason. Um, but it's still eight games to go. So that's remarkable. And then you, you see polls. Who would you rather have, Josh Allen or Kyler Murray? So this is what it's become because he is lighting the NFL on fire. And now you're looking at MVPs. You're looking at a guy that's playing like an MVP, even though, you know, Buffalo's still going to win more games. You know, he threw, he played really well in weeks one to four, five to eight, not so much. Allen played really well last week. So, and I, and I've been asking around to, to guys that, that I trust their opinions like yourself and talk to Kyle. 
just 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 uh, just want to throw this out there. Not so much building a team, but it, it, how many other quarterbacks would you take it right now over Kyler Murray in the NFL? One off the top of my head, and I Mahomes. think I'd have to go Patrick Mahomes. But outside of that, as far as upside and what he's able to do, I'm sorry, it's it's Kyler Murray. I know he hasn't accomplished a whole heck of a lot, hasn't won an MVP like a Lamar Jackson, but I just think the trajectory here from year one to year two going into next season, he's certainly trending up, and it's way up, and it's not even close to everyone else who's not named Mahomes. Okay, now – Based on what both of these guys are going to mention, have won Super Bowls, and they're probably in the conversation to get back there in the conference, unless the Saints or some other team like the Cardinals, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Okay, I, I think Murray's right there after Mahomes, Wilson, and Rodgers. I, I those guys are older. If you're talking about building a team, it's a no-brainer. But that that's how far this young man has come, and I'm not. Drinking the Kool Aid. I've asked. I've asked people in the business. I, you know, I've asked people that you know cover the NFL. So I'm not coming out of left field with it. Um, you know, you look at Mike Sandals tiers. He's right on the top of tier three. He should be at the end of the season, maybe tier two. We get in the off season, and it's based on executives. They do mention that he's been inconsistent at times, which we know. Um, nothing's been perfect. Nothing's come easy for this guy, but we know the, the future's bright. And, the, and then you look along those lines and, you know, Larry, Larry pointed it out. So we'll talk about it. This team has to win until he cashes in. Cause after next year, you know, he's going to be eligible at some point between the four and the fifth year. So, uh, they're in a good spot, but you know, we've seen other teams around the league, um, you know, cash in when they had these rookie quarterbacks and Buffalo's going to have to pony up for, for Josh uh, Allen. So it, it makes sense what, what they're able to acquire when it comes to talent around them. Yeah, here's what Fitz had to say earlier this week. Quote, you got to make the run while he's still on his rookie deal, end quote. <laughs> and Fitz had a big smile on his face when he said that because now this is the time to take advantage of that, much like the Seahawks did with Russell Wilson. Back to your Murray-Lamar Jackson comparison, ESPN had a lot of fun with that graphic. And Marcus Spears called Murray unguardable in the National Football League because of what he can do with his arms and with his legs, and that says a lot for someone in year two. We all have these expectations year one to year two, and I think right now, knock on wood, he's exceeding those expectations. Yeah, and just think, you know, he feels like he could be a better pocket passer, you know, but we're seeing strides. I mean, initially he was having trouble with the intermediate routes. We're not talking about that anymore. Um, I think he was upset because he wanted to have the ball in his hands. That's just me connecting dots. Um, but I can tell you this, um, you know, being out at the practices the last couple of days, Wednesday and Thursday, um, you know, him just walking down where, where they're stretching, dabbing every guy, you know, having fun. Um, but, you know, his demeanor after the game, it, it bothers him to lose, and he hasn't lost a lot. And he did say this week he's going to have to handle a little bit different. Uh, we all know that certain quarterbacks wear suits and, you know, that you become the CEO of the company. He, that's not him right now. There'll be a time and a place for that because – he knows how difficult it is to win in the NFL, whether you throw for 400 yards, run for uh, two touchdowns, and throw for two. Uh, he's putting up big numbers. But you and I agree, man. We talked about this earlier in the week on on Cards Cover 2 on, on Tuesday. We would trade all those stats for wins. And, again, they're in position to control their own destiny. So I like where we're at. 
And there's no questions about Kyler Murray being a franchise quarterback. Are you listening, Wolf? Third gang, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. It is a football Friday here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Before we get to your three keys for a victory, MJ, we do have the final injury report ahead of Sunday's contest. The Cardinals have ruled out three players, two on defense, one on offense. Let's start with that latter one. Justin Murray will not play because of a hand injury. Obviously, you're starting right guard because J.R. Sweezy was on injured reserve. Well, he's now been designated to return. Talking about Sweezy, does he return this Sunday? Or if it not, then my guess is we see Max Garcia playing a little right guard. Yeah, and, and over the last, uh, I guess, the last eight weeks, when the, besides the Cardinals having a bye, we've had press releases on Saturday, um, obviously in conjunction with the, the COVID testing and transaction log and everything else. So it wouldn't be a surprise. Um, I think the fact that that he came back this week and he's been practicing, that tells me that maybe they had an idea if this was going to happen, they want to have an insurance. To me, Garcia is more of a backup in a pinch. Um, but, you know, they obviously he's got to get clear from the medical staff, but also, um, you know, getting him back there. We know how physical he is. Give Murray credit, though, because he held his own there. And, uh, you know, that's a good dilemma to have. But also the veteran guy, you know, he takes a beating every week. Maybe he got a little healthier and he feels good for the stretch run. But it's a good dilemma to have. But we'll wait and see what happens on Saturday. On the other side, the defensive line is going to be missing two players. Lucky foe two. Jordan Phillips and Bird Gang, I got to apologize because earlier this week I guaranteed that Phillips would play against his former team. He will not because of a hamstring injury. You know he would love to play against the Buffalo Bills, who earlier this week their head coach Sean McDermott had he praise about Phillips that he was sorry to see him go and and then added, I'm sure he'll be highly motivated about Sunday, but obviously that's not going to happen. And now we're seeing not only Phillips missing an opportunity against his former team, but Kenyon Drake last week missed an opportunity to go against his former team. More on Drake here in a moment. But without Fotu and Phillips, there's two starters. you got Steady Eddie, Corey Peters in the middle, Josh Morrow, Angela Blackson, and Rashard Lawrence, who was designated to return this week, much like J.R. Sweezy, is that return this week here in Week 10. And if, if we get a press release on Saturday, I would think those are two viable options. When it comes to Richard Lawrence, once again, um, he missed some time. I think Vance was intrigued with him, not just so much a nose tackle. He can also slide over to play D tackle um, and possibly DN with the right rotation. So, again, I do anticipate, um, based on we know right now, that both of those players, as for Phillips, he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. Now the Cardinals do have two games in five days. Um, they went out and spent a good amount of uh, money on him and a long-term contract. So I'd like to see more from him in the second half, but you got to be healthy in order to uh, be productive. Five players are listed as questionable, including Drake, who's officially, according to Kingsbury, a game-time decision. But he was on the practice field for all three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Certainly would be good to see him back on the field. The other players who are questionable – Buda Baker, Drake Kirkpatrick, Deontay Thompson, and Max Williams. Kingsbury said it's a, quote, strong possibility that Baker is able to go. You know he wants to be able to play. But, again, when you're questionable, a lot of it is how do you feel on game day? How do you wake up? 
when you get to the stadium, you go through your pregame routine. How does everything feel before they have to make that designation? You're up or you're down. Yeah. Um, again, uh, both of those guys will work out pregame to see how they're moving around. They'll have to make a decision, but you know, you got to just, uh, I'm not a big fan of guys missing three days of practice, but I have exceptions. Buda Baker. I'm sorry. I mean, I, again, he's there in the meetings. He's there in spirit. You know, he, I didn't see him during the open portion, not saying he wasn't out there, but normally he's getting treatment around the clock. Um, I do think he'll play. And then, you know, you got to make a decision on Drake. How's he moving around? Now, he was limited all week, but he was out there, and that's encouraging considering how severe the injury looked because you got to make a decision how many running backs you're going to address. And if he's out there for just a, a possession or a quarter, then all of a sudden Kyler Murray's going to have to take a bigger role. We'll see about Foster. We know Eno Benjamin's likely going to be inactive, and then you know that's the chase. But I think the one-two punch will go a long way with also Murray. So uh, they're going to watch him and see how they move around. And I always mention it's good news they're not flying because sometimes when you fly, inflammation can you know um, you know you can get some swelling there. And, and again, I'm not a doctor, but I'm glad they're playing at home. Well, quick follow-up on Baker. He was officially listed as limited in Friday's practice and questionable for Sunday. So he did get some work during the week. It's not like a DeAndre Hopkins, but certainly he would, I would agree with you. He would be one of those players that could get away without doing anything during the week and then suiting up and balling out on Sunday. Yes. Drake Kirkpatrick is listed as questionable. I think he's trending as far as returning though. If he is less than a hundred percent or maybe inactive, you do have Jonathan Joseph, who was just signed on Wednesday, yet you hear from Vance Joseph, you hear from Cliff Kingsbury, and then Steve Kime as well this morning. He is going to have a role, talking about Joseph. And according to Kingsbury, he's been a, quote, quick study learning the defense and brought up the fact that there's some familiarity, which we alluded to, with Vance Joseph. The two were together when Joseph was a two-time Pro Bowler in 2011 and 2012. So I think all of that helps. And certainly if Kirkpatrick is unable to go, you're going to need a Jonathan Joseph out there of that experience against this Bills wide receiving core. All right. Let's hypothetical because uh, Kirkpatrick's been out there. I don't know how he's been listed, but let's just say hypothetically, you get your three starters back, Murphy in the slot, depending on where guys line up, Patrick and Kirkpatrick on the outside. 36 years old. He's got a ton of starts. He's smart. He's savvy. Um, he's played in a lot of different systems, so he's a plug-and-play guy. Even He may not start, but he also mentioned that he's not just an outside guy. He could play a nickel, and it wouldn't surprise me if they have a package for him when they want to go 60 Bs. Um, he's that, he has that much upside. I know the uh, Titans did not want to release him, but as I mentioned earlier in the week, they had to get younger at that position, and he, you know, he's a guy that – He's, he's going to come in here, and nothing against Kevin Peterson. I think he's a really good special teams player. Nothing against Bosby, but you're, you're now leaning on veterans to help you if you need them versus what happened last week with the Dolphins. And if, if, the, if the Cardinals are going into this game with Kevin Peterson and Bosby, I would be concerned. Here's Kime's comments about Jonathan Joseph. Quote, he's not just a perimeter corner. He can play the nickel, can play inside and outside. He has a ton of versatility. He really plays well in the zone. He's a guy who brings a lot of flexibility for us. He also is a really good tackler in space, end quote. 
And I think that is certainly good news for the Cardinals, regardless if Kirkpatrick is able to go this Sunday, because you have another veteran presence and some depth with Patrick Peterson on one side, Byron Murphy returning hopefully to the slot, although we know Murphy can also play the outside in a pinch if needed. But when you're looking at Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown, Andre Roberts, Isaiah McKenzie, I mean, the list is a long one for those Bills wide receivers. So it's all hands on deck, all healthy hands on deck against the Bills. Yeah, I, I just I just feel like I'm I'm more comfortable just from looking at the roster going into this game than I was last week. Now sometimes you can cover some of those guys, but clearly they were targeting Kevin Peterson until he suffered that concussion. All right, MJ, we've waited long enough. There was a lot to get to to this point of this football Friday edition of Cardinals Cover Two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But people want to know, MJ, how the Cardinals get back in the win column, how they pick up that sixth win of the season. Three keys for a victory coming up on Sunday. What is number one? Well, number one is going to be first down because when you look at it, um, we talk about the Cardinals getting positive yards. Teams are throwing the ball more on first and second down. And I just think when you look at the Cardinals, um, they're averaging – Okay, Buffalo ranks third in NFL average gain on first down, picking up more than six and a half yards per first down. Cardinals, 6.18. Uh, they are first, uh, they are seventh in the league. Now, the key here is the Cardinals lead the league in, in first downs. Okay, Th- these are just uh, metrics numbers, what they're gaining on first down. But totally, the Cardinals lead the league in first downs. DeAndre Hopkins leads the team on in first downs and third downs. So, um, when I look at it, you know, the Cardinals have to be able to win on first down. You don't want to be in third and long where they're teeing off on you, and then all of a sudden you, you really can't run your offense. You're more concerned about protecting Kyler Murray. So I think first down is going to be huge, get positive yards, and then, you know, get in second and third where play action can work. So I, I just think first down, I know third downs are big, but really you just don't you don't want to get behind the sticks against this team because um, they can they can come after you. Um, they don't blitz a ton um, as much as maybe Miami did last week, but I think that they're going to try to get Murray off his, and they got Edmonds or linebacker who can spy on him. So I think first down is going to be big in that case, and I like where the Cardinals are leading the league in first downs, and again, Hopkins leading the team, and including on third downs. Yeah, the Cardinals right. almost 26 first downs a game, and yeah, everyone looks at the third down stat, but if you are successful on first down, this goes for the defense as well, You went on first down, then all of a sudden second down becomes easier and hopefully third down real easy, or you avoid third down completely. I would, (laughs) how about that scenario? Just don't even get to third down if you're the Cardinals offense. Yeah. And again, it's just, it's just one of those deals where, you know, I'm not a big fan of, you know, going on 10, 12 plays. I'll take it. Uh, But we know when, once they get high tempo and, you know, Buffalo's flying out here. And sometimes we see teams get tired in the fourth quarter. So I just think first down and, and getting out of long situations to really help this team. All right. Um, you know, when I look at 10 personnel and uh, both teams are going to run 10 personnel. Uh, actually, the Cardinals over the last couple of weeks have run more 10 personnel than the Bills, but they are one, two in the NFL. And we know that it's going to come down to matchups. So when it comes to 10 personnel, you know, is, is Patrick, who is Patrick going to shadow? You would think it's Diggs. And then who is on John Brown? Is that Murphy? Um, and then who's on, uh, on possibly 
Cole Beasley, is that Murphy? And then, you know, DeAndre, uh, Drake or Patrick's going to cover Brown. So I just think the 10 personnel on both sides, how do the, how do the Bills, uh, attack the Cardinals? But for the Cardinals, they have to make sure, um, there's no, you know, they got to keep everything underneath because we know Josh Allen can throw the ball down the field and he's not afraid to run to extend plays. So I just think 10 personnel in this game because two teams do it a lot. Cardinals have to have the advantage when it comes to both teams. We've talked a lot this week and nationally as well. The talk has been about Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, and what these offenses can do. But I'm going to take a page out of what Willie McGinnis on NFL Total Access made a comment this week that that's not really the key as far as which quarterback is better. There's going to be a lot of points scored in this contest. To your point, MJ, which defense better handles yep. the four wide receiver sets is the team that is going to pull out the win. And with the Cardinals getting healthier, knock on wood in the secondary, that certainly should help. Mason Cole earlier today brought up the number of times the Dolphins blitzed, and he thought that they did an okay job outside of that first time in which Murray fumbled the football. But this team, talking about the Cardinals, is going to see that blitz package a lot because of how disruptive it can be. Case in point, the Seattle Seahawks, the past two weeks, Russell Wilson, eight turnovers between the Cardinals and the Bills. And a lot of that was because you rushed and you get off your spot, and you have to hurry to make decisions. And if you can make Josh Allen's rush a little bit in his decision-making, especially on third down, maybe you do get a takeaway or two. All right, the next one would be Cardinals running the football. Now, we know about the dual threat with both quarterbacks, but Bill's rush defense giving up 4.6 yards of carry, 126 yards on the ground, 21st in the NFL. Now, when it comes to their pass defense, they're 20th, and they're giving up close to 250 yards, so there's a little bit of balance there. Uh, as a, for the Cardinals, we know they're second in the league, averaging 5.2 yards a carry, and they're second in the league, averaging 163 yards. So the run game has to be part of it. We know it sets up the passing game. And to me, when you get Drake back, you got that one-two punch, and then Murray's, you know, he's I wouldn't want. I'm, I wouldn't say he's the X factor, but he's he's a luxury. But we know how effective he can be. So. I think the Cardinals, whether it's on first down, tucking down, or third down, they have to be able to run the football. It's not about time possession. It's about wearing down their opponents to where they have to start guessing, playing on their heels versus their toes when it comes to running the football. Yeah, the Bills in the lower third as far as handling the run, not only as far <laughs> as rushing yards per game, but rushing yards per play. And you certainly would think that the Cardinals have an advantage in that area, especially when you consider Kyler Murray. Now, it would be great if you had Kenyon Drake and that one-two punch of Drake and Chase Edmonds to alleviate some of that off of Murray's shoulders. And I think that was a big reason why Murray ran so much last week against the Dolphins with over 100 yards is because Drake wasn't on the field and Chase Edmonds had to do so much more than what he's been asked to do. Yeah, and going back to the Bills, why I say, you know, the first down, even for the Cardinals, the Bills lead the league in pass percentage on first down. They're throwing the ball 59% on first down. That's well, we brought it up as far as which Bills offense would we see this week. Last week, they had 38 pass attempts, only 19 rushing attempts. They abandoned the run. New England, it was just the opposite. They had 18 pass attempts and 38 carries against the Jets, 
43 pass attempts, 27 carries. So it's been a roller coaster as far as what the Bills do running and passing the football. And I don't know, maybe they decided to run the football if we're looking at uh, how things have trended over the past three weeks. Yeah, and to me, that's good coaching. You're basing it on matchups. I mean, you don't want to be pigeonholed to a team that's throwing the ball you know, 55% and only running at 45%. Those numbers fluctuate to it's based on matchups, and that's good coaching on their part. you got to give them credit there. Well, we um, always hear from Cliff Kingsbury. I don't care how we do it. Yeah. 50 pass attempts, 50 rushing carries. How do we win on Sundays? And Sean McDermott has shown that the past three weeks. There's no doubt. And my, and my last one would be third down um, conversions and then third down defense. Just the Cardinals, when they get in third down in the red zone, I should say more red zone here. When they're in the red zone, they've done a good job um, with Kyler Murray scoring touchdowns down there. Um, you know what's interesting? Allen has 24 touchdowns. Okay, one rushing. Kyler has 24. He has eight rushing. So when you get in the red zone, we know these things tighten up. So the Cardinals got to be efficient in the red zone. They've done a really good job compared to last year. Buffalo is very efficient in the red zone. So when we talk about who wins these matchups, the, the, the 10 personnel, Cardinals defense or the Bills defense, who wins the third down, I'm sorry, the red zone efficiency? Who's, who's two for four in the red zone versus three for four? That will dictate, because I do think it's going to be some scoring here, but I do think it's going to be a close game, Craig. Murray and Allen, the only two quarterbacks in the league that have at least 15 passing touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns, and they'll share the field on Sunday. So your three keys to victory, win on first down, 10 personnel, which defense handles it better, the Arizona Cardinals run game, getting that off the ground, and hopefully it's more Kenyon Drake and less uh, Kyler Murray unless Drake is unable to go. Remember, officially listed as questionable. He'll be a game-time decision. And then your X factor, red zone, which offense and which defense handles those 20 yards before you get to the goal line the best. And then from an offensive standpoint, who becomes more successful defensively? We know the Cardinals are very good in the red zone. They're number three in red zone defense, only allowing 15 touchdowns on 30 trips inside the 20-yard line. And and I want to go back to a game this year where the Bills, they must have scored 18 points, and all that came from their kicker. I want to say he had six field goals in one game. I do remember that contest, and I'm blanking on the opponent, but you're right. They had all 18 points off the leg of their kicker. Yes, and... So the reason why I bring that up, just like last week, the Miami Dolphins had a kicker that was very effective from 50-plus. So when we talk about close games, Craig, and and they've relied on a kicker, that means they played great defense. Maybe they were shut down offensively, but they won just on six field goals. They had 18 points. So this could come down to, you know, Zane Gonzalez. The Cardinals are confident, but, um, you know, you they have Mike Nugent on the practice squad. Obviously, he's been a journeyman. They're excited about Zane's age, but we know it's a production business, and you can't go back-to-back weeks uh, if you have to kick a game winner. So make sure you, we start to pay attention to that late in the fourth quarter if it comes down to a kick because that kicker has proven he can kick consistently when the game's on the line, and Zane's done it, but now we need to see consistency across the board for the rest of the season. 
An update on Zane Gonzalez. Kime this morning asked specifically if the team worked out any kickers, and he said no. And then he added about Gonzalez, quote, I expect him to bounce back this week, end quote. You certainly would love to see that, yet at the same time, I know there's a segment of the Bird Gang that says, uh-uh, we don't want to see Zane Gonzalez unless he's uh, on for PATs and kicking the ball off. Well, the thing is, uh, you know, the Bird Gang and the fans, they don't watch practice. They don't, they, they're not in the meetings and when they see the film. So, I mean, I know it's different in the game. You can't rush a kicker, but you can tell if he's on or off in practice. So, um, you know, it's great to have that opinion, but you're not watching it. We're not watching it. So, um, but he, I, you know, I went back and, and, um, watched that, what happened. And I'm not a lip reader, but I, I think Zane told Andy Lee, I quote, I don't know what happened, unquote. That's, might be so. that, that was the first time I was lip reading there. That was the exact thing I thought he said. I don't know what happened. Well, that might be something that they have to figure out, you know, when you look back on film, and I'm sure they've had that discussion since this past Sunday. But, yeah, you, hopefully everything gets ironed out because the last thing you want is to be short on a kickoff of, or on a field goal attempt of that length. You can be wide left or wide right but never short. No, and that's the beauty. Again, people at home, they had the end zone camera, and it looks like it's going in. And the referee at first, I mean, and you and I are watching it live, and we're seeing the ball, okay, it looks good, but then, boom, it falls out of the air. So I, I, you want to take that, but maybe if you go le- wide left or wide right, you're saying it just didn't make it. But at least part of it was that, unfortunately, um, the kick didn't work, and – they end up losing the game. So, again, we're, we're going to have to watch that in the fourth quarter because that's what those guys get paid to do. Bird Gang, make sure you subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Raids, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. All right, MJ, how are you feeling about week 10 and the Arizona Cardinals against the Buffalo Bills? Well, uh, you know, we talked about it um, in different formats throughout the course of the week. Um, as the schedule, you know, gets into the second half of the season, every game gets bigger because there's more stake on the line. Just based on a team 7-2 and two that made the postseason last year, and right now, you know, they're in the driver's seat, depending on how the Patriots, um, you know, perform in the Dolphins. But, you know, I just look at this game, Craig, where it's going to be a close game. So I'm going to pick Cardinals 28, Bills 24. So 52 you think, you think points it's going to be more scored total. I would think both teams would get into the 30s and almost might be the first team to 40 wins this ball game. Of course, we've been saying we expect shootouts week in and week out over the past several weeks and it really materializes this might be the week in which we do get a shootout yeah and and what what i'm getting at is just the fact that this is the best team they played up until this point now seattle obviously is going through some situations the cardinals beat them here so i think they have confidence there the rams we know they haven't fared up with them you know we'll see where philly and the giants are um, and then you still got to play the 49ers. But um, I just think the schedule gets a little bit more difficult. That's why it was important to get out to five or six wins. Um, but this team got to avoid losing streaks. And, you know, you're playing two games in five days, but you can't win two games on Sunday. Correct. So, you got to 
focus on this week and worry about next week traveling to Seattle Sunday night, Monday morning. Yeah. So I, I and I think, you know, the coaches will start game planning for the Seahawks just like they did, you know, when a uh, previous week where they started looking ahead a little bit. Um, so that, that the coaching staff does it. The players won't see that until Monday or even Monday night because they're traveling on Wednesday. So it'll probably be on the practice field, but no pads, just kind of going through the walkthroughs and more mental reps than anything else. So you can't win two games on Sunday. Uh, but this is a team that it's, it's, it's a winnable game. Now, if we're talking about turn the ball over and you give up a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown, then clearly uh, the Cardinals will be on the opposite side. Um, you know, last week, you know, they were down seven, nothing quickly there. Um, you, we can look at it as a four quarter game, but that had an effect on the outcome of the game. 4,200 fans in attendance this coming Sunday at State Farm Stadium. 205 is the kickoff. 930 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network and look forward to talking to the Blur gang after that contest as well on Cardinal Talk. That will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Always fun on a football Friday, but now we wait for Sunday. And, of course, hopefully a Cardinals win to get that sixth win before we start talking about the Seattle Seahawks next week. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. Bird Gang, we'll talk to you Sunday and then next week here on Cardinals Cover 2.